As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Prince Harry's Spare. Royal author Gareth Russell helps us break down all the bombshells from the book to the interviews. Because it's very clear if you read the book that Prince Harry has been keeping score in his head for decades before he met the, uh, the future Duchess of Sussex. I'll be honest, that that probably was the bit of the book that I didn't want to the most. Plus, where does Harry and the royal family go from here? Christopher Anderson gives us his insight. As far as I can see, their strategy is working. It's just making, it is boosting book sales for Harry, but it's also, I think, making him uh, very frustrated that he's not getting any kind of response. Plus, Princess Catherine celebrates her 41st birthday as the royals stay silent on the shocking claims. We've got that plus so much more on today's Royally Us. Everyone, welcome to Royally Us. That's Christine. I'm Christina. And wow, there is just (laughs) so much to talk about. So many different angles, so many different topics. And hopefully we'll get to them all. (laughs) I I, know. You know, there's no question on what we're talking about this week. I think everybody knows what we're about to dive into. Yes, totally. But before we do, we're going to see what you guys had to say about last week's show. And of course, it was a lot about Prince Harry. Richard said Harry says he wants his father and brother back. Then with his next breath, he's slagging them off to anyone who'll listen if that's not betrayal i don't know what is delusional um zimkitha says hypocrisy they're doing the same thing that thomas markle did maybe some self-reflecting accountability from ph and mm is long overdue same thing they did to uh, megan's dad and then cindy says not responding is the best response royal family is very intelligent and graceful so i mean not surprising we got a lot of um people you know not supporting harry in this decision and i think i can understand why i mean there's definitely a lot of bombshell claims in this book i mean let's get it right into it let's get to our royal roundup um and break down some of these shocking revelations that i think maybe what's going to surprise a lot of people and he even said it too was the long tension with prince william and how many years this has really gone on for and you know this is not just something once megan came along yeah i think there's two themes that really run throughout the book and the first is his mother which isn't surprising and the second is this tension with his brother and it's interesting because you know for years we only heard about how they're so close and it's such a great relationship and you know we've heard from lots of sources about how they work together and supported each other and harry's really throughout this book talking about how it was actually not the healthiest relationship right. mm-hmm. yeah which it, yeah they they've had this brother brother 
sibling rivalry for years. I mean, he called him his arch nemesis in the book, which, you know, that is a pretty strong word. I mean, he really kind of goes in on this and it doesn't, as much as he says he wants a reconciliation, I really don't see how one can be made going forward. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Christopher going forward, but yeah, he details this physical fight that the two of them had. Yes, a sibling squabble, but I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't be putting this all out in the public. I mean, he definitely takes a lot of digs that William, you know, accuses him and his um, team of leaking stories about them. You know, how he uh, William told him not to speak to him when they were at school together. So these are some deep rooted issues that he definitely has with his brother. Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, they must, they've been so hurtful for Harry. There's no denying that Harry's very hurt by these actions. But I do think a lot of them sounded and felt familiar to a lot of, you know, sets of brothers or siblings. You know, there were so many. I think funny tweets coming out about like, you think that's bad. We'll wait to hear what my sister did to me sort of thing. And not to say it's healthy, but I almost think a lot of people could sort of relate to this tension and this sort of long-term sibling rivalry. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of the, his deep issues with, you know, it's not just the family, it's the British media. I mean, that's who he really has the issue with. I mean, if you read the book front to back, I mean, that's the underlying issue. That's who he blames for, you know, everything that happened with his mother, the, you know, probably the problems with his brother, brother and his father, his uh, issues with his stepmother and, you know, the issues with Megan and Kate, it all stems down to the British media. And that's who he seems to like, just can't let go of these, uh, these feelings that he has for that, for it. Yeah, I think you're so true. That's probably the another theme through the book. I know I said there were two, but the third one is this constant fight with the media. I mean, his whole life sort of battling with the press. And I think that the royal family's relationship with the press is so important mm-hmm. and can be really valuable, but it, it is at times tricky and sometimes even toxic. And mm-hmm. it's just like a constant relationship that they have to battle with. And Harry just clearly hates it mm-hmm. and really hates, you know, the, the, all of the negativity that it's brought about. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some things, you know, in the book that we didn't need to know about, like, uh, you know, losing his virginity at the back of the pub, um, you know, his frostbite. Frostbite. <laughs> didn't need to know about that. Didn't need to know whether or not he was circumcised. I mean, there was some definitely some things that were like, did we? That was a little TMI, Harry. Didn't, didn't need you it. You definitely wonder what the angle was that he was going for when he made sure to add these things. But I actually think, honestly, the angle was that all of these things were stories that were published in the press and he wanted to set the record straight and share what actually happened or his side of the story, things like that. Um, Because I think a lot of these could be traced back to, to, you know, big flashy headlines and Mm -hmm. scandalous stories. And some of them ended up being kind of true, you know, somewhat true, but Harry really just wanted to set the record straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And then he set the record straight about, um, you know, the fight between Megan and Kate about the bridesmaids dresses, you know, saying that it was Kate, the one, you know, the one that to make Megan cry, which we knew about already, but he did definitely goes in on that a little bit more and just the tension that the four of them there i mean it was not a fab four from day one i mean it seems like they had tension from the beginning i mean they were skeptical about her being an american actress even though they were a big fan of suits which was very surprising um (laughs) you know but it seems like they just had their guard up about her from the very beginning at least in harry's account there definitely you could tell that there was tension but then i think you know you ha- we have to consider that harry and megan's relationship was so fast you know they were really only dating about 18 months before they 
decided to get married, which for a lot of people, like even just a normal person, that's a pretty quick progression. But entering into the royal family, into this, you know, institution, I'm sure that the tension was maybe initially out of concern, mm-hmm. you know, even if it sort of festered into something else. I think initially, William and Kate may have been really wary and concerned about, you know, the fact that Megan wouldn't be well prepared. And she wasn't so much through this book. I've actually been getting really frustrated about this. Mm -hmm. So many things where Megan has had some sort of, you know, altercation incident, something, something, some sort of upset Mm -hmm. is because she wasn't well prepared. And quite frankly, that was Harry's responsibility. You know, he tells the story about how he and Megan are about to meet the queen and, you know, Sarah, Duchess of York is teaching Megan to curtsy because she has no idea how, and it's all very last minute. And I'm thinking, how did Harry not prepare this woman, prepare Megan for the most simple thing, like meeting his grandmother. Right. Like, and there were so many, yeah, there were so many other moments like that where I'm thinking you didn't prepare or support Megan well enough. And now she's stumbling. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, a a lot of, you know, Harry, you know, going into like the um, TV interviews that he did, you know, he did 60 minutes, GMA, Stephen Colbert, um, ITV. And he kept on saying, you know, take accountability, take accountability. He wants the other side to take accountability. But I feel like throughout the book, he didn't really take accountability for anything. It seemed like, you know, it seemed very one sided, like, you know, William pushed me because of Megan, but you know, I'm sure words were exchanged between the two of you. Like it's not just a one-sided fight. It just, he does paint it. (laughs) Yeah. He paints it as if William is just like raging and he's chasing him across the room with a glass of water, you know, very calmly with this glass of water. Whereas you kind of, you know, that, that that was probably a tense conversation from both sides. And, I completely agree that he doesn't take enough responsibility. He doesn't, you know, own up to things that he could have done better. It's all about how he was wronged. And you know what? It's his book. So I'm sure that's what he wanted to, you know, what he wanted to do. But it does. There's there's parts that frustrate me where it's sort of like, well, you know, you had some responsibility here. Yes. Yes. No, I, to- I totally agree with you. I and mean, he did say in some interviews that, yes, that he does take some responsibility for the fallout of his relationship with his brother and things like that. But that's not in the book. I mean, clearly he is traumatized from his you know mother's death, as anyone would be um, dealing with something like that and dealing with something like that on such a massive stage and not getting the help he needs. But it just I don't know. I mean, we've said it time and time again. I don't really feel this was necessary. I know that he wanted to tell his story and he knows he says that he tried to deal with this privately, but this is just airing just really dirty laundry that, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't need to hear. Yeah. And I think you have to wonder what is the end game? What does he think is going to come of this? Cause you know, right now his approval ratings are abysmal. You know, he's losing popularity uh, in in both the US and the UK especially but in the US we've even seen his sort of you know uh, yeah. popularity rankings are dropping um and he's become like a, a meme you know he's just a bunch of twitter jokes at this right. point and that's probably it, it'll probably die down in the next few weeks when there's someone else to mock but mm-hmm. right now it really this book hasn't benefited his public image in any way i don't think no i agree with you and i think the media blitz around it too is a little unsettling like i totally get it 
do your, you know, one or if you did your one or two interviews, that's fine. Like your ITV and your 60 minutes, but we didn't need the GMA. We didn't need the Stephen Colbert as, you know, entertaining and uh, interesting as they were. It just seems like he's just pounding the same story over and over again. And it's just, yeah. And then you have like the people magazine spread as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think because the, the book leaked like almost a full week early. And so we sort of heard all these stories over the course of the week. Now he's gone on these TV specials and done this, people magazine thing where he's retelling the same stories so now we're just hearing the same stories the same things over and over again it's starting to sound like he's just complaining like he's just going on and win- and whining yes whereas i don't think that's what he meant to do i think he just wanted to promote the book mm-hmm. but it was kind of a book that didn't need promoting no that was yeah. going straight to number one and whether we yeah. uh talked about it or not but it's so interesting and i know that we'll talk about this more with christopher and probably gareth as well but like the reaction to him not wanting to relinquish his titles though it's like if you are so unhappy with the firm and the institution why are you still hanging on to this thread this uh what ties you to it the most it's i mean i you know he I guess he monetary gains from it, but it's very interesting that he does not want to relinquish that title and didn't really give an answer. Yeah, I think that was what was more telling is that he kind of didn't answer that question, except to say that he doesn't want, you know, well, what good would that do? Well, it would make you completely independent and would really send a message that you're cutting time, you know, that you're moving forward, I guess, cutting ties and moving forward. But yeah, I do wonder why he, why, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you just, you know, cut the apron string, so to speak. Totally. All right. Well, to help us break this down even further is our friend, royal author, Gareth Russell. Take a look. What stood out to you the most after you read this? What kind of stayed with you the most? That's a really good question, I think, because I I actually think this is a book almost of three parts. I don't know if anyone else got the impression that was... It was very different. I mean, first of all, the opening um, that, um, I mean, his ghostwriter, J.R. Moringer, about Balmoral deserves so much applause. It's so beautiful. But what really stayed with me was the anger of it. I think there is such a palpable sense of fury. And at times that fury is justified and you're sort of cheering him on. Then there are other times where it felt misapplied. And I think... There were times for me where I was a little bit surprised at the way he he felt comfortable guessing the motives of people uh, around him. One of the things that stayed with me that I, I didn't like so much was when he was discussing the, the sort of conferences with the Fab Four, a moniker he very much rejects. But when his sister-in-law, Kate, was quiet... Harry is very confident in the book saying that proved that we were right and she agreed with me. And I thought, I don't really know if it's your place to speculate on what someone else's silence means. It could just, it could mean any number of things. It could mean you were right. It could mean she'd given up. It could mean all kinds of things. So I think there were a lot of instances, as I've said, of anger. There were a lot of instances of him kind of stepping into other people's privacy in a way that he'd previously really eloquently said he hoped people didn't do for him. So, so that's what stuck with me. Yeah, you know, you say that he makes a lot of allegations. He kind of takes a lot of liberties and he does spill a yeah. lot of secrets. What do you think was the most damaging allegation to come out of this book? For the royals, uh, I think probably the outright accusation that each of the households are leaking stories to the media and playing a game with them. It, it's... It's dangerous for two reasons. The first is that it it strangely undermined his point a little bit about the perniciousness of the tabloid press. 
it made it more of a complicit, difficult to disentangle relationship. And it and it you then had to question, well, if all the households were doing this, was 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 Diana doing this? Was Charles doing this in the nineties? It 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 made it a bit more difficult to follow what I thought was a really brilliantly put forward point. It also, of course, makes a lot of people question other members of the family. And I think you know, just from talking to people, there there is maybe more of a skepticism about how the monarchy interacts with the media. That it also to me, Christine was a bit interesting because I think one of the points that that stood out to me was he makes it's almost a strangely monarchist book, which sounds like a bizarre thing to say, considering he attacks so many individual royals. But if you really, and first of all, we should be clear, Prince Harry has very firmly answered Tom Bradby in his interviews. I am a monarchist. I want to see the monarchy continuing. In a very strange way, this book reads like a cry for a much more muscular monarchy that has the right to tell the press, you can write this, you can't write that. Obviously, the constitutional implications of that are tricky. But he only, But I think there were times in the book where he was saying the monarchy should be allowed to tell the press, I don't want you invading my privacy in this way. And he was pushing back on the idea that people in Britain have a sense that they own the royals and that they, have, they should have access to all of their deepest, darkest secrets or even their most mundane private points. So I think the most damaging thing was the media, the allegations about the royals looking to the media. But I would also say probably one of the most uh, long-term and convincing points he made was about the media pushing an idea that the royals are owned by the media and by and by the people. So that, that it's both. It's both. It's both the most damaging and perhaps one of the more compelling points. Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of people are compelled and interested on his relationship with Prince William, obviously, and I think a lot yeah. of people are going to be surprised at how deep rooted this uh, tension was between them, going back, you know, years, you know, pretty much right. when their their mother died. I mean, what kind of stood out to you the most? I mean, you know, we have this physical fight and things like that. But yeah. Were you surprised at how um, how deep this issue was between the two of them? Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I, I was surprised. I mean, I think actually one of my a colleague, we were talking earlier and she said, you know, I, I feel like in many ways this exonerates uh, Megan from the accusation that she stirred up all this trouble between them because it's very clear if you read the book that Prince Harry has been keeping score in his head for decades before he met the, uh, the future Duchess of Sussex. I'll be honest, that, that probably was the bit of the book that I didn't warm to the most, simply because, and by the way, it's not that I I, I didn't get the sibling frustration and, and there were times where I do think, you know, I can tell you from having written a biography of the Queen Mother, Diana did think that the Queen Mother favoured William. She did think some of the elder generation were a bit more, showed a bit more favouritism towards William. So it's not totally without foundation, but... I have to say, I don't know how sympathetic I was to complaints like I got the smaller bedroom compared <laughs> to William. And you think, 
in the in castle. a palace. <laughs> yeah, yeah in a, in like palace. in a palace. It's a right. cost of living crisis. Like my, my sympathy is minimal <laughs> at this stage. Uh, in terms of, of very far away. <laughs> how, yeah, how small was your palace bedroom? And I, 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 I think <laughs> to be to be kind of to be to be tracking score of that, you know, 20, 30 years later. That bit didn't work. I, I think that's probably some of the bits in Britain would have landed least sympathetically. Were you actually surprised that Prince, I mean, at least I was, that Prince Charles came off the way that he did? You know, I sure. think a lot of people may have thought that there was much more tension between the two of them. But he almost sympathizes with his father in the way, you know, yeah. saying he was not ready to take on this role as a single dad. Um, didn't really have the compassion um, to have these conversations about death and things like that. Um, yeah. But it seems like he does have a little bit more sympathy than we thought. Absolutely. And I think that's to his credit. Um, that being said, I think there, I don't know whether this is true, but we certainly had heard that the initial, that initially when this was written and Elizabeth II was still alive, mm-hmm. that the that Charles came off a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, as I said, there's a strangely very monarchist core to this book where you don't really insult the monarch. <laughs> so you hit the air. And in many ways, I think Charles has come off much more sympathetically than we expected. William has come out of it a lot less sympathetically than we expected. I don't think anyone expected the book to be as harsh on William as it has been. Although, although quite interestingly, some of the reviewers here have said it's that William and Catherine do ultimately come out as quite sympathetic, but just totally lacking in comprehension about what Harry is going through. That seems to be one of the, the broader takeaways from this. But yes, I do I do agree that Charles, there was a lot of compassion that he showed for his father in the writing. Um, I mean, the most, uh, yeah, I, I, it, that did, I think that's something that hopefully in the long term will be remembered by the royal household. But we have to remember Harry's immediate peer is his brother. And, and that is, I think that it was the, it was the stuff on William and Camilla that I think will be the stuff that really sticks with people in the long term. All right. Well, let's spill some royalty. Um, and, you know, sources are telling us weekly that Kate is absolutely appalled by Harry's actions. Prince William is horrified. They tell us that Kate feels that Harry's actions are atrocious. She's appalled at him for dragging her name through the dirt and is finding it hard to forgive. Um, you know, like we said before, he details a lot of different things about his relationship with Kate and William and an insider to tell us that William and Kate are very upset about Harry's revelations. The details have hit them very hard. They're both confiding in each other right now. And they very much would have liked to handle things behind closed doors in which he wasn't so, um, cutting in the public. I mean, that's, I'm not shocked to hear that. Well, yeah, no, this is not surprising, but William and Kate are so fiercely private. They're hugely protective of their private lives. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, for Kate's point, she comes from a very, very close, very, very strong, um, family. And, you know, you think about her, the relationship she must have with her siblings who have had a really complicated life because of her life choices. Right. And they, you, they, I could never see them doing anything like this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's probably very difficult for her as well, not just that to see her husband suffering and that it's her brother-in-law, but to know what those sibling relationships are like, how much her siblings have gone through, how much her mother alone has gone through. Someone reminded me this week about how 
the press used to just blame everything on Carol Middleton and would say horrendous things about her. And they all stayed absolutely silent. Mm -hmm. And so I do think like Harry speaking out really is, is, um, you know, probably something that's affecting her very deeply because it goes against everything she believes. Totally. All right. So where does Harry's future stand in the Royal family and can they ever reach a reconciliation? Well, we had to ask our friend and author Christopher Anderson all about this. So take a look, you know, he keeps saying over and over again that he believes a reconciliation will happen and you know he needed to do this in order for them to move forward but do you feel the royal family feels the same way man i do not and as a matter of fact they're perfectly capable as we know from this story you know wallace uh, simpson edward the eighth their royal family when they close ranks uh you know you can be on the outs for decades so and, and it's not as if the megan and harry don't have a life of their own now so the, unlike the, the, the duke and duchess of windsor who were kind of uh, exiled and lived this bizarre social life in Paris and other places where they just raised uh, hugs and visited their friends and went to parties. Uh, Hagen and Mary do have an important existence. They have philanthropies and causes, the big public platform. So they can have a life. They can live a life. And um, and that would make it easier, in a sense, for them to be shut off by the rest of the royal family because the rest of the royal family doesn't feel as if they you know, sent them off to Elba or something. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they have to deal with. I mean, uh, William and, and Kate, uh, especially, I think, have such a heavy burden uh, looking forward. And it's the idea. Don't, don't forget the likelihood is that William will become king in, in you know, his 60s, frankly, if the longevity holds true. And so he'll have a similar, you know, uh, road to hoe here for the next couple of decades. Mm-hmm. You know, Prince Harry's done so much press for this book, but we've really just heard a lot out of him over the last month or so. Do you think now that the book is out there, should he learn the value of silence? I mean, you know, what what should it look like going forward? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, they said that they remained silent uh, when they left and except the kind of the cloak and dagger escape from uh, the royal family and and Great Britain and and coming to the U.S. I don't remember them being particularly quiet. (laughs) 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 Really? When they were like, no. So I I don't think he'll ever. I mean, I think he is a master of uh, I mean, he charms audiences. I have to say, watching the way he charmed the live audience on Colbert last night was fascinating to me because, you know, even the the slightest reaction in the audience, he would seize on and interact with people. And it's magic to America, you know. Uh, So it was kind of interesting to see the public support is still very much there for him in this country, I think. Mm -hmm. Helped, by the way, by the Jeremy Clarkson comments not that long ago where he said he wanted, you know, the British uh, uh, TV personality who said he could hardly wait for the time when Meghan would be paraded naked through the streets of London, you know. Uh, pelted with feces. I mean, you know, that kind of, well, all of a sudden, we everybody who was doubting the Harry and Meghan's claims saw that, in fact, there is a great amount of uh, racism and bigotry that they have to deal with. So I think, the, you know, um, right now in, in England, as you know, the polls show that uh, Harry's never been less popular mm-hmm. and Meghan even less so. But it's funny, when you look at those polls, Camilla is just a few points above Harry. So that's, you know, <laughs> kind of misleading. Right. I mean, do you think, I mean, obviously, hypothetically speaking, but do you think that he will regret this from year, years from now? And do you think this book will accomplish what he wants, which is what he says to have his family understand him better? I think I, I think he probably regrets having put in the Taliban uh, death uh, yeah. kill count because that actually raises a huge physical, you know, I mean, 
he's blaming the press for focusing on that and not providing context and everything. He didn't have to mention it, you know, and it does kind of, uh, I think, endanger his family. And he's rightfully just said that uh, last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, will, he, will he come to regret it? For example, the way that uh, Diana regretted uh, the Martin Bashir interview? I, no, I don't think he will. I think he feels he had to get this all off his chest and, and, and uh, really, uh, you know, state his case to the public. And I don't uh, now everything hinges on his relationship with Megan. You know, if they stay happily married, then this will this will probably work for him. Um, if there are any cracks in the marriage in the future, I don't know. Maybe then he might come to rethink. Are you surprised that the titles haven't been stripped yet? And why do you think that it's Im- why do you think that Harry's holding on to it? Because Anderson Cooper did ask, like, why won't you just relinquish the titles? And, you know, he didn't really give an answer to that. You can't relinquish them. I mean, they have to be taken away. I mean, okay. The king, so uh, and I guess he'd have to go to his father and and and, and do that. I mean, that certainly I don't believe that's my feeling is that they actually would love to hold on to them. And I, when he says he wants to to repair his relationship with his father and brother, I suppose on some level he does. He thinks that's possible, but this might be in the same category as his magical thinking about his mother still being alive. You know, I don't think any rational person can look at this and say they're headed toward uh, some sort of reconciliation. All the bridges he's been burning. I mean, uh, you know, what's next? I mean, there is a sense of can you top this? There is a sense that you think you've seen something now. Wait till I write volume two. Wait till Megan does her $20 million book deal, you know? Uh, So I'm sure there's a lot of drama around the corner. I am, you know, we haven't heard from the royal family. Do you find this silence deafening? I mean, is this why Harry keeps talking and telling these stories? Is he goading them for a response? I think he's trying to get a rise out of out of out of somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting way to approach this. Uh, but you know, as we approach the coronation, I, I think what all Charles wants is calm. You know, uh, and again, uh, it depends on what the reaction is to Camilla. The tabloids in Great Britain have apparently kind of rallied to her defense. I mean, she has befriended a lot of those kind of controversial figures in the tabloid press in the UK, um, just overtly. Uh, Clarkson is is one of them. Jeremy Clarkson, here's Morgan. Um, but um, you know, uh, as, as far as I can see. Uh, their their strategy is working. It's just making, uh, it is boosting book sales for Harry, but it's also, I think, making him uh, very frustrated that he's not getting any kind of response. Well, in our Royal History Moment of the Week, Princess Kate did celebrate her 41st birthday and the royal family wished her birthday greetings on social media. But I really can't imagine that this was a very joyous day. <laughs> I know it's it's really interesting. We heard that they, she was celebrating at home, but there were some rumors that the family was actually skiing. Hope wherever they were, the cell phones were turned off. <laughs> but, you know, the royal family is really staying very quiet. There was only one, you know, birthday message from the royal family account. We didn't see, you know, we're not going to see much from them in terms of a statement. So I, again, I hope she had her phone turned off. That's all. Definitely definitely no Google alerts. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into our pint-sized palace. And Prince Harry did get candid about how fatherhood has changed um, his outlook since welcoming his son and his daughter and how that dynamic between siblings um, kind of works out. And in his interview with ITV, he said, the gap between me and William was very similar to Archie and Lily. And to see Lily obsessed with Archie and Archie like, no, no, Lily, I need my space. I need some space now. I get it. I get how irritating the younger sibling can be to the older sibling. 
So I guess, you know, you know, fatherhood has opened his eyes to many different things. And he even said that fatherhood opened his eyes to how uh, King Charles dealt with Diana's death and how he never wanted to ever have that conversation with his kids, which is another reason why he decided to move. But definitely uh, becoming a dad definitely changes your perspective. Oh, it, it definitely does. And I think it's really changed and shaped Harry and somehow even though we don't understand them it's clearly helped him make the decisions that he's made over the last year definitely all right well that is it for this week's episode of royally us i'm sure you guys have a lot to say and we want to read them all so please comment below and keep subscribing and we will see you guys next week